The Bar Star Podcast, hosted by Stephen O'Reilly, is a podcast about working musicians, their friends, and their opinions. Stephen is a musician in Louisville, Kentucky, who has... Wait a second. This guy's a drummer, not a real musician? Somebody gave a drummer a microphone for his voice? The hell? Unreal. Unbelievable. of the Bar Star Podcast. I am your host, Stephen O'Reilly. I want to thank you guys for coming back once again to hang out with me. Thanks for checking out the show. I hope everybody had a good week. I hope everybody is doing well. And as always, I hope you guys went out and did some shit. Please make sure you check out my sponsor, Prophecy Inc., located in the beautiful Highlands in Louisville, Kentucky. They are big supporters of the show, and I am a big supporter of their shop. If you go into the shop and mention the Bar Star Podcast, you will get 10% off your tattoo by any artist in the shop, not just Travis. So go check it out. It's a cool place. It's a cool shop, and you can get some great ink. You probably hear some birds in the background. I am actually sitting on my back porch recording the opening for this show. I'm not in my office like normal. Uh, this week's episode is all just kinds of weird. It's weird in a good way. It's not in a bad way. But uh, I had to get some new equipment. Nothing happened to my my one big mic that Scott Clark liked so much. Nothing happened to that mic. That mic is still in my office. Uh, it will be my main mic for the show. But because I had to travel this week, not like I had to go out of town, but I had to do a podcast with the fabulous Greg Upchurch from Three Doors Down. Uh, Greg Upchurch ain't coming to my house. So I had to figure out how to go to him. So I went and spent a bunch of money. So I need donations. You fuckers need to send me some money. I'm totally kidding. So I have some new equipment. So I thought that in light of having new equipment and doing my first traveling show, I would do the open on my new equipment on my back porch. So you can hear some birds and some cars going by and all that other shit, and I just thought it'd be kind of cool. Because I recorded this show on location uh, at Diamonds next to the stage, we thought they were done with sound check, and we were not. So about three minutes in, uh, it's going to be really, really obnoxious. Just bear with it. Uh, it doesn't last, and I think it lasts about 45 seconds or so. Uh, so we we kind of hit stop and waited for them to be done. So, But I left it in there because Greg and I were talking about something specific. So just know that that does not last the entire show. So when you get to that, don't freak out. Uh, it only lasts about 45 seconds, maybe a minute, and then it's over. So I just wanted to let you guys know about that. So don't freak out on me and just stop the show. Just keep on going. It doesn't last that long. This week's episode is really cool. Uh, as I already just told you a second ago, I got to hang out with Greg Upchurch from Three Doors Down and his wife, Noel. Uh, they were amazing. They were super fun. Uh, I laughed my ass off for a while. Really cool people, really down to earth. Uh, Greg has done a lot of things. I forgot that he was the drummer for Chris Cornell's solo stuff, the record Euphoria Morning. I forgot all about him 
being on that record. I knew it, but it's one of those things I kind of forgot. When he told me, I went, oh, shit, I forgot about that. But uh, he has been with Three Doors Down for about 13 years now. Um, but he started in a band called Eleven. Uh, and Eleven apparently had some uh, some influence on bands like Pearl Jam and uh, Soundgarden, other other bands like that of that kind of genre. Kind of like Peter Searcy had a... When Peter Searcy was in Squirrel Bait, he influenced, or they influenced, rather, uh, Nirvana. So it's kind of cool when you find out little nuggets of music history like that. You're like, oh, shit, I never knew that. That's, at least I think it's cool. But he was in that band, and through that band is how he met Chris Cornell. Uh, but we talked about all kinds of stuff um, from his time in Chris Cornell and his time in Puddle of Mud and then on to Three Doors Down. We didn't talk for a really long time because I didn't want to take up too much of his time. Uh, he's a busy dude, and he was here in Louisville for the Making Memories show that Raul Borcar put on uh, this past Saturday at Diamonds in uh, the Highlands. Yes, before you send me your hate mail, I know it's Diamond with no S, but I will never say that. I will always call it Diamonds because I'm an asshole. But jokes aside, he came up to play that show for Raul, which was cool. He played, uh, I, I forgot to ask him if he played all the drums on that record or some of the drums. I think he played all the drums on Raul's record. I don't remember. Uh, but Greg and I had a, uh, we had a run in a few years ago um, in a good way, not in a bad way. But he played six or seven tracks on the avant-garde dog record that Kevin McCreary wrote. And I played seven or eight. I can never remember. Uh, for those of you in Louisville, please read the credits on that record. Yes, I played drums on that record. I, I still People still ask me, did you play drums? Yes, yes. I know there's digital and you downloaded it, but just at least go research it. Uh, Greg played tracks, I played tracks, and Kevin played drums on the last track. So that's the gist of that deal. But that's where Greg and I met. Uh, we talked for a few minutes. Really nice guy. Um... And then we just kind of, ha we haven't spoken in seven years. And we talk about that in the in this episode. But we uh, he was cool enough to give me some of his time. And I really appreciated it. And it was just a fun conversation. You guys know I don't do quote-unquote interviews. I don't do that journalistic shit. I'm too stupid for that. Uh, I just ask random questions here and there. And just have conversations with people. Because when you just have a conversation with people, that's when people are at their most real. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. Like I said, we laughed our ass off. He's a really cool dude. Um, hell of a drummer. It was cool to watch him from the side of the stage. Um, just watch him play those songs and just hanging out with his wife, who's awesome. She's really, really cool. And uh, it was a lot of fun. So I hope you guys dig this episode. And uh, if you don't, there's something wrong with all of you. But... Uh, Thank you, Greg and Noel, for being so awesome and so cordial and for hanging out with me all night and for the laughs. And uh, on with the conversation I had with the one and only Greg Upchurch from Three Doors Down. Yeah, tons, tons of money. Tons and tons of money. Okay, we are going. We're recording. We're good. Okay. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. I'm fantastic. It's it's good to see you. It's good to be seen. It is. Um, for those that don't have a camera on my show, because everybody tells me I need one, I know. I'm sitting here with the fantastic Greg Upchurch from Three World Wars Famous. Down. World Famous. He is I, world famous. I got a SAG card. Do you really? I do. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> I got. I got. I do. I'm a carrying SAG card. After a SAG. After. I. Uh, 
I don't know really what it's from. It was from Puddle of Mud, and I think it was when we when we did Mad TV or something, and we had like a skit we were in. I don't know, but anyway, I just I've been able to keep up with my dues. And nice. The and what's cool about it is the best is like every year around Christmas because I vote. Right. I'm a voting member, so they give me the DVDs and the for the advanced movies. Gotcha. Like movies that are just coming out of the theater. You know, oh, like, you get advanced Like, copies. you know, these for your consideration movies. Oh, nice. So every, And it's always around the holidays. So it's great because every day you get a new movie. That's pretty cool. So, and, you know, living in Nashville now because I live in L.A., right. if you want to see, you know, Lady Bird, good fucking luck. It ain't showing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or you want right. to see something like La La Land. Where the fuck? You're not going to find that anywhere. Right. But um, like Los Angeles, when I was there, you know, you'd, we had the little theaters that were showing everything was being shown there somewhere. Right. And But, you know, if you want to see Star Wars or Hillary's America, you know, it's 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 everywhere. That's crazy. IMAX, you know. That's crazy. You have a SAG card. I know. I'm a carrying SAG card member. Well, for those of you that don't know. And I'm, I'm a Grammy-winning guitar player. You're a Grammy-winning guitar player? Grammy-winning guitarist. How the hell did that happen? Forget what the hell I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't know this about me. Um, we, well, I got the Grammy. It's it, Well, it, we did a compilation, Three Doors Down did, for uh, gospel. Right. And a bunch of different, Bon Jovi was on it. We were on it. But it won Best Gospel Compilation Album. Nice. And I got my Grammy, and it's, and it's not like a trophy. Now, they give that for like the... If you're the big important words, you get the big trophy. dogs. Yeah, right. I didn't get a trophy, but it's like a little like a diploma looking thing. You know, you fold it out and it's got you know a certificate. You know, Greg up church Grammy winning guitarist. Wow. It says guitarist, so I got my name, so I'm a Grammy winning guitarist. That, a lot of people don't know about that. Me. That I mean, is crazy. Yeah. yeah. That's I nuts. I, I had no I don't, idea. I mean, if I was back when I was drinking heavily, and so I might have been playing guitar. I don't remember. <laughs> so, you mean yesterday? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. It's um, dance club. It is dance club. So we are at Making Memories, and you are playing with Vorkar tonight. Yes, I am. And a lot of people know this around Louisville, but a lot of people in out of town don't know. You and I both played drums for the Avant-Garde Dog record. That is where you and I met. And we talked for 20 minutes, and when we haven't talked again in seven years. <laughs> Good to see you again. Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. No, no. Hang on a second. Editing is a beautiful thing. Okay, let's try All of a sudden, we're, it's like an NPR. I know, right? Hello. Uh, this is Joshua Johnson. No, mm. I'm just kidding. Okay, so... What I was saying earlier before we so rudely interrupted, you mm-hmm. are playing drums with Borkar tonight at the Making Memories yes. at Diamonds. Uh, and it is very cool of you to come up here and do that. That's awesome. Yeah. So if you guys hear any noise in the background, that's what it is. How did you get hooked up with Raul? We'll talk about us in a second, but how did you get hooked up with Raul? Well, through Kevin McCreary. Through Kevin? Okay. Right. I mean, that's how I met him because, you know, uh, I don't remember how and when Kevin came into my life, but I know it was uh, through Three Doors Down. But you'll never forget him. No, of course not. <laughs> but uh, the fact that he, you know, we were sitting there when he told me, he's like, the name of the band and it was Avant Garde Dog. I was like, dude, we did a record. I did a record called Avant Garde Dog. He's like, I know. I'm like, oh, nice. Oh, really? And then he saw me play with Chris. Right. Cornell back in 2000 or whatever. And so he 
you know, when I met him, I just kind of like, I guess I already had his respect. And right. so, and then I saw him play and heard his stuff and I was like, oh, well, cause he kind of reminded me a lot of, I heard a lot of King's X. Yeah. He, he was a huge King's X fan. I mean, that was just me when I heard him, the music, of other the guitar people. tone, like yeah. very. He's, Kevin was so fucking good. There's just no other way to say it. Oh, he's dude talented. Absolutely. And funny as shit. Right. Dude made me laugh for absolutely. But so you met Raul through Kevin, mm-hmm. and then uh, short brief history for your own edification. When I met Kevin, I had just moved up here for another band, and we both taught at Mom's Music, and this is a local music store here in Louisville. And when I met him, he comes flying in my room one day, and he goes, "I've seen you play. I've seen your shit on YouTube. You're my drummer." And then he shut the door and he left, and I was like, "Who the hell is that guy?" So we started talking, and he was just. He was just kind of bringing out the avant-garde dog stuff that he had already been writing because he was playing all the instruments, including drums. Because right. a lot of people don't know he was a hell of a drummer too. Yes, he was. When he when you asked me to do the drums, I'm like, why do you need to redo them? <laughs> right. I, know, I mean, I'm I said like, the same thing. I was like, why would you even touch those? I think I'll go ahead and put. I think he wanted just other people to be a part of it. I think he did too. But he could have easily done it all himself. Oh, absolutely. It'd been, it'd been, it was excellent. Absolutely. Well, and he he approached me and he said, I want you to be my drummer and I'm doing this and here's all my tunes. So we did a couple shows. And then somewhere in that time period is when he got the call for Uncle Cracker. So he went on tour and then he started recording the record when he could with Chris. And then that's where you and I met because mm-hmm. you did six or seven songs on the record. I did six or seven songs on right. the record and he did the last song. And that's where you and I met. Um, so I just thought it was kind of cool. When I saw you were coming up here, I said, you know, I'm going to see if he's going to do my show. Sure. And then Uh-oh. I, oh, here they go. Oh, nope, they're done. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Talk. Um, so one of the things I wanted to ask you about, because most people that, most fans of my show know I don't do interview bullshit. But one of the things I did want to ask you about, and we were talking about it before I hit record, was you're, you were on the documentary Hired Gun. Yes. Which I thought was kind of cool when I saw you. I went, holy shit. I get, I get more people like that, I don't know, when they're just more recognized kind of more so from that than anything else. I guess because I'm actually talking on TV or something. And then Netflix and a lot of people saw it. Oh yeah, because everybody, you know, obviously next and every musician person I know, pretty much that does what we do, oh, yeah. saw that because this is like this is what I do. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I remember when I saw the preview for it. I was, yeah, I have to see that. Um, but you said to me outside, "This is your platform, sir." Uh-huh. You said to me outside, "You screwed up your story I in know. the documentary." I did. So set the record straight. I set the record straight for, <laughs> for Matt, so he doesn't look like such a prick. Um, no. Uh, I, in the story of the movie and how it would happen was this was God ninety eight maybe bunch of years ago yeah <laughs> twenty years ago but I was after the Soundgarden tour when I was in a band called Eleven we opened up for Soundgarden right we were in a hotel in Cologne Germany and we were throwing down partying up in the you know whatever penthouse well or Sky Bar or whatever the whatever, you know wherever Soundgarden they stay in nice hotels and right so and we were staying with them. And he, Matt Storm was in a band with, it was Steve Jones from Sex Pistols, Duff McKagan, and I can't re- remember for the life of me who it was, but it wasn't Expensive Winos, which is, I know that's Keith Richards' thing, right. but it had some sort of name like that, and I can't remember what it was. Right. But they were over there doing it, so, so we, we, we partied, you know, we were drinking and having a good time and stuff, 
And in the movie, I tell, you know, because I come back, you know, as most musicians, 99% of musicians know, whenever you go out on the road, you come back, well, better go get a job. Time to go back to work. Yeah, figure out what you know, how are you going to do that? So, went back to painting. So, I was, I, in the movie, I said I was painting a house, and what it was, was I was at a studio, we were doing faux finish wallpaper, and there was a studio, recording studio, right next to the art studio, I guess you call it. Right. So music and art studio, but owned by the kind of the same guy. But uh, he was a part of it. He was painting, you know, wasn't like some CEO guy coming and looking. You know, it was very, you know, <laughs> ground roots oriented kind right. of stuff. Right. We we're hanging on by a thread that we were even actually doing it and getting. We had a guy that invested money in it. Right. Now this was in L.A. though. Right. This is in Los Angeles. Okay. Right. I was this is North Hollywood to be exact. Gotcha. And in the little studio, we actually that's where we did the Chris Cornell rehearsals for the tour for the Euphoria Morning stuff, and. uh but Matt Storm came into the studio and he was looking to use the studio for some other project, musical ah, project. I gotcha. And he saw me sitting there and I was covered in paint, you know, taking a lunch break, eating a sandwich, like a bologna sandwich, probably, I'm pretty sure. Odds <laughs> are, you know. And that's when he was like, hey, I know you. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm, we were in Cologne, Germany, you know, at the hotel. Whatever. And then he was like, yeah, how you been? I was like, well, I'm fucking painting. What do you think? <laughs> you know? But I, th- I think whenever the movie, here. it was like, I'm painting your fucking house. You right. know? But it actually, I think what it is, is like, I come, you know, victim to my own, like the story kind of becomes after 20 years, kind of right. like you told the story or you heard it now back and the little things start to change. And then, like I said, when I went to LA and I was staying with a buddy of mine and he's like, I was there. You fucked that story up, dude. It wasn't, it wasn't how it was. And I was like, what happened? And he told me, because he was there with me. And what, I was like, oh, what happened okay. was. So so anyway, so that's the story. That is the true, honest to God story. It, it's still but, pretty cool, though, because um, because I do a podcast. I'm obviously a fan of podcasts. So I've listened to a bunch of interviews with Jason Hook. And he was talking about how that whole project came together and how he got the idea of it. Um and he was saying all the people that he reached out to, and he said he's got something like 300 hours of footage of everybody. Well, I'm, I, I was there talking for three or four hours just for whenever they came to do my interview stuff. Because I've never done a documentary or kind right. of like, I didn't know, like, not everybody obviously made it onto the movie after the right. editing and everything, but... I guess, you know, that Matt Storm story obviously was a part of it. So right. they had to put that in there because that's the real. That's what it is. You know, this that, music business that we're in, unless you write some huge hit. And you get publishing. Yeah, that's just how it is. Yeah. So. And everybody knows drummers don't get shit. I know. We don't get nothing. I know. I, how is it we have the most expensive fucking instrument on the planet and we get zilch? It's a cruel fucking joke. <laughs> I mean, that's really the bottom line. It's like everybody asks me, because my son, you know, he's 12. He's like, does he play drums? I said, God, no, he doesn't play drums. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, hope, I was like, please don't let him play drums. I mean, I would love it for a hobby. It'd be cool. Yeah, but. But I don't want him to get serious with it. Anyway, it's like, if you're going to do it, you play the piano, write songs. There's a hot chick in a corner recording. Yeah, do you know her? No, that's my wife. She's just watching me. She's like making sure that I'm not. Oh, yeah. okay. I thought she but, I thought she looked familiar. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. Um, so, because I don't know, how long have you been with Three Doors Down? Because you've been with them for a long 13 time. 13 years. 13 years? Mm-hmm. Nice. And everything's going well? Everything's good? Yeah. I mean, I got sober. I mean, everybody kind of got sober. I mean, well, the people that are still in the band. I mean, we right. lost one. Uh, right. 
passed away, overdose. Mm-hmm. One Which is sucked. going to prison. He's been in prison, and I'm not going to get involved in talking about nope. that. Or we don't know what's going on with that. But, I mean, it's just kind of like, you know, it's a tough lifestyle, especially if you add young kids that really don't know anything and give them a ton of money and some success. True. I and then you're supposed to, like, what, what, what do you think is going to happen? I remember whenever I was with Eleven, and we played in the Metro. I think it was with the Metro in Chicago. Like ninety six or something. Right. We played with Silverchair. I remember that. Just come out and they, and was, they were babies when they, they came were out. 16, 16, 17, Yeah. And uh, I remember, and the show was weird because we opened up for them, and the show we went on at five, and they went on at six. I think o'clock six six thirty. Like the sun was up whenever they were done. Right. And then another. Uh, concert, I think it was Frank Black came in and did that night at the venue because their fan base for the Silver Chair and the it was so young, right? They did, but it early. I just remember all their parents were there. The Silver Chair parents, the kids in the band, their folks were there, were like their managers or handlers. They're, or yeah, they're hand, I was gonna say handlers. And the thing is, is, I'm watching them and then they were. I remember their dressing room. They had a little dressing room. They just destroyed the shit out of the thing. I mean, like food everywhere. I mean, not destroyed, like broken anything, but just on the walls. It was just trash. And just, you know, kid stuff. And I'm thinking, it's like, I remember, like, you imagine being 16, having a huge record, you're Australian. Now you're in America, and you've got these little girls everywhere screaming your name. And your mom and dad's going, got to get in the car, we got to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so how do you expect, like, all of a sudden, you, get, you, know, you put that same kid, the same thing that's happened, Add a few five years, six years, any years. Twenty four. Right. Now he's twenty four. Twenty five. Brad was eighteen when the band hit. I mean, I didn't realize he was that young. Yeah, I mean, he was right out of high school. You know, he wrote that Kryptonite. I think he said it was like in eighth grade or ninth grade or something. Damn. And uh, I mean, just all of a sudden, you know, how do you? Your reality is a little right. skewed. I can see. I can totally understand where like the Michael Jacksons and the people that are like. At a young age, their sense of reality is so distorted. Of course, they're going to be a little wacky. Oh, absolutely. Jesse Best from Days of the New and Tendrick was on my show, who, who he's also a friend of mine. But I was asking him what it was like to be... He, they went on tour with Metallica when he was 20. And right. they were doing... They sold out Giant Stadium like two or three nights in a row in front of 100,000. How do you play in front of 100,000 people at 20? You don't know anything. That's, you, you know yeah. what I mean? And the one thing I told him that I... I thought was interesting what you just said was I I find myself defending Tommy Lee a lot not just because he's one of the reasons I play drums but that dude got signed they were he was 17 he's never had to adult a day in his life no he just it's not in him yeah, so I, I think a lot of times when he does the dumb shit he does, he genuinely doesn't know any better. No, I mean, it's uh, that's why I feel blessed with Brad, with the singer for Three Doors, because he could totally be off the rails. Right. I mean, I, it would make total sense. I mean, I was in Puddle of Mud. I mean, for Christ's sake, I mean, that singer, he's insane. So, that I mean, obviously. fucking nuts. So, yeah. So, you know, with Brad, I mean, I'm he's very Christian. He's And like I said, now that with the sobriety thing, you know, right. and it's just. It's a much, you know, when you hit two decades of doing this, you kind of need to, you're going to have to sober up. You're going oh, to have to, you can't. Eventually you physically can't do it. I anymore. mean, you, at this point you're like, guys, this is, this, uh, this is when you start to know, okay, this is really happening. Like, like I call it like legacy acts. I mean, of course you get the U2s or the Rolling Stones that are the right. can do arenas. But if you can get to the established to the legs, like kind of what, you know, we're doing similar with the 
collective soul tour you right know? like are you gonna go and fans are gonna be like they know almost every single song that's yep. gonna be played yep. they pretty much know it so i mean the fact that you get to do this still i mean we don't have to go play you know a, a 200 seat place right you know and, and trying to keep the band together keep it going you know like right man i see a lot of bands struggle that were trying that were, did pretty had some success years ago you know and then just couldn't capitalize on it whether it was just i saw bands that were breaking and they were just dicks to the label or just you know just shoot themselves in the foot really right and when i look back at the puddle mud thing it was hard for me not to be angry because i'm like i was a part of that band i was a band member you know i was a part of something and we had an enormous success and I'm watching this guy fly this plane into this, you know, into a mountain. Right. And I'm just like, oh, you know, how do you? You can't control it. And he's the lead singer. I mean, if if he had done the shit and he played the bass, he'd been gone. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, but you just can't. You know, it's that tiptoey thing. Well, I think, and this is my opinion from the outside because I've I've never, um, I've never been to the level that you are, or you have been, or you are currently at. However you want to word it, but I've always been close and right on the cusp i've been really fortunate i've done some cool shit but what i'm getting at is i find it interesting when i look from the outside and i see shit like that and i'm like what the fuck is wrong with you how can you have what a lot of us try to get and then what a lot of us are even better than you and you're pissing it away i've never ever understood that it's and it's uh, very common it's very, extremely very common. common. I mean, okay, I see it all the time. Okay, you know, let's look at the that's the ying. Let's look at the yang of that. Okay, let's look at somebody like Dave Grohl. Okay. Right, genius. Okay, I think he's a genius. Well, absolutely. Okay, you know how hard it is to be in the biggest band in the world, and he's done it twice. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, that's definitely sake, really yeah. And then my Dave Grohl story is my wife was there she knows this story because we were there we were at Katsuya Sushi Restaurant in North Hollywood nice it wasn't like some it's a little hole in wall but it's really really good there's always a line of people that's tiny and we walk in there and I remember I think Noel I think you you kind of elbowed me like look over there look look and I was looking <laughs> and I saw the girl I saw his wife and I didn't know it was him and I was like okay yeah she's beautiful you know <laughs> I'm like, whatever. She's like, no, look who that, look who she, and it was Dave Grohl, and at the sushi bar. I'm like, oh, no, shit. That's awesome. Nice. So we went and sat down, and we ate, and I was just like, that was so cool. And I'll be damned if that dude didn't walk over to our table and go ask me, he goes, are you Greg Church? And, and my hand to God. Nice. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, why? And I'm like, I know who you are, you know. <laughs> but he was just like, I was. He was a fan of uh, the Chris stuff at Eleven, right? And he, you know, he knew me, he knew the puddle mud, and all, you know. And he gave me his number. He's like, give me a call, man. Let's get, you know. And just like, nice. And I'm like, how many dudes would walk up to another guy at a restaurant, and you know, I mean, some band that is struggling guy, but we're gonna walk over and say, hey, man, I know my name, know right. my name. I mean, I don't know half the people, you know. I'm name flying in my head without the other. I'm right. awful with that, but see, he's good. And the thing is, is he's always on. Yep, he's always. I mean, he never stops. And then that's how he's successful. He doesn't have that gene that we're talking about that just takes it all and just pisses it away and becomes a right. Dick. So he appreciates what he has and he works his ass off. That's how you be, become yep. the biggest band in the world twice. Because the first time up, 
you must have been a pretty fucking cool dude. Because yep. everybody's helping you out and rooting for you, and everybody at the label, everybody in publicity, everybody in promotion, everybody it, in the, every angle of the industry, from radio or whatever, he's had to be sweet to every single person because that's how you succeed. Oh, absolutely. So there's the proof in the, in the pudding, so to speak. I mean, pretty really. Much. He's notoriously known as the nicest guy in rock and roll. It's funny. Somebody was telling a story. It might have been Eddie Trunk, but... He said Eddie Trunk was, it was Eddie Trunk on his podcast. He was talking about the first time he met Dave Grohl and Dave walked up to him and said, how you doing? I'm Dave Grohl. And Eddie Trunk said, I know who you are. And Dave said, I don't fucking know what else to say to people. (laughs) Right. He's just that guy. Right. I mean, he's just, he's so normal. That's freaking awesome. Now you, um, because I don't want to take up too much of your time. And again, thank you for hanging out with me. No, no, it's absolutely. You guys are doing, you're getting ready to go on a tour right now, right? Yes. When does that start? My, this question is actually for my wife. Okay. Hi, Stacy. I know you're a Three Doors Down fan girl. Good God. Yes, uh, I'm sitting here with Greg. Okay, carry on. Well, um, the tour starts uh, soon. <laughs> um, no, I got a show in Columbus. I got some military shows coming up. That's but awesome. uh, that, the tour kicks off um, July 6th okay, in cool. Atlanta. Gotcha. And then as far as, I don't know if there's, I don't think there's a Louisville, Kentucky. I mean, we're playing Nashville, which is, obviously I just drove from there, so it's not that's not far. No, she'll drag me somewhere to see you guys, I'm sure. That's what Nashville, she does. But that's also, the the show in Nashville is at the Ascend, the brand new uh, outdoor amphitheater in downtown. I've seen pictures of it. I yes, supposedly, supposedly it's super nice. But you got, because I really want to play that because if, you're building an outdoor downtown amphitheater in Nashville. It better be top notch because you're Absolutely. gonna. I mean, you, every. Can you, I mean, every guest list at every show there is gonna be. It's gotta be jam packed, right? With, you know, it's gotta be. They're not gonna have a. You know. Now, because you're from Nashville, or you live in Nashville now, I shouldn't say you're from mm-hmm. Nashville. You're from Wyoming, o- Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Uh, well, how the hell did I get Wyoming? Doesn't matter. The last time I saw you play, I saw Three Doors was. And Stacy and I can never remember the name of this place. The outdoor amphitheater that's in the woods. That's what I call it. Do you know what I'm talking about? You played in with Na- Theory, De- Theory in of Nashville? Dead Men. Yeah, it's in Na- or outside of Nashville. Fontenelle. That's it. It's surrounded by trees. Hey, Barbara Mandrell owns that. Really? Yeah. That's really is, nice. That place is beautiful. They got a restaurant in there. That's really good. That was really cool. Like Southern place. like fragrant made is a grits, you know. Right. No, we I remember we were talking about that. Um that was uh, a long time ago. It was a long time. I haven't seen you in a while. I, 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 I play a lot, too. I think so. we were living in Nashville then. We just moved to Nashville. Just moved, I think. She's got that confused look on her face. That's fantastic. I think, I think, I think, I think we, anyway. Anyway, that was a long time ago, and that was the last time I saw you, but she's seen you a couple times since, but the, um, we were talking about venues on one of my other episodes, and I can never remember the name of that. What's it? The Fontenelle? The Fontenelle. Fontenelle. That's an awesome place. The Fontenelle, the woods in the Fontenelle, or the Fontenelle in the woods. They do a lot of shows there, or is it just kind of a a special thing? I mean, they don't do a lot of shows, but their shows, I mean, pretty regularly. I mean. Oh, nice. They're pretty... They're not going to be like metal shows. They're going to be pretty, you know right. what I mean? Like, I think we were pretty rocking for that venue. Right. Like, you'll see, like, uh, more pop you know, and maybe towards country a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. I just always thought that venue was, was amazing. It's, it's really nice. It's Natural Outdoor Amphitheater. Yep. Now, how long, when you go out this time, how long are you out? Till September. Oh, September. so it's a short run. That's a long run. That's three months. 
Is that considered a long run? I'm not being sarcastic. I, no, I don't I mean, know. It's a long run. A three month run, a three month tour is pretty good. That's well, well, I guess in your in that case it is. Now I f- feel like a fucking idiot because that you would be playing more than two or three nights a week. You're probably doing four or five. Oh, we're, yeah. I mean, I'm going. I'm going to be away from home. Right. For like three months. Yeah. I mean, I come home for like four days once, and then one time I come home for like nine days. But overall, but I'm you're just gone for gone. three months. Got right. you. So it's like four shows a week, usually four to five somewhere. Nice. You know, in there. No, yeah, I guess it is a long run. I, I think the longest I ever went out was, I think I was gone for six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt that was short to me. Well, it goes by fast. It does. There's it no goes, doubt. It goes by really fast. Right. So it will go by quick. And then I'm sure when we get back, we'll probably off for the holidays. And then they're booking um, some stuff. And we do do our benefit, which is, I should say, mention that. Absolutely. Uh, Plug Cher- anything you want. It's in Cherokee, North Carolina. It's called the Better Life Foundation. It's a it's pretty awesome. They take over. It's a Harris Casino there in the Smoky mm-hmm. Mountains. Yep. Beautiful. It's be- I've been there once or twice. It is beautiful up there. And we take it over for a weekend, and we have a concert there with Collective Souls. We're going to do the show there with Collective Soul. Gotcha. Um, it's like a we do it with the National Guard, but we raise money for char- children's charities usually. Right. Um, this will be the 13th year or 14th annual, and. Uh, They'll have like a motorcycle bike run up through the mountains. Oh, they nice. do, uh, it's We do it with the National Guard, um, but there's a concert, and the night before is a big. I mean, there's a bowling alley there. I mean, we have a party. I mean, it's oh, very it's cool. kind of like we pretty much take over the whole Harrah's for Friday, Saturday, and well, most of Sunday. <laughs> well, Sunday, everybody's on their way home. Maybe make sure I get that. Date no, absolutely, right. yes, yeah. because it's the last show of the year for us. It's Saturday the 27th of October. Yeah, 26th and 27th of October. Oh, nice. So, now, is there a website or a Facebook page or oh, something yeah. people can find It's that? called the Better Life Foundation. I mean, and cool. even at Three Doors Down, there's links from our website. But uh, it's just a, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's it's kind of nice because it's it's not a gig. It's an event kind of right. thing where, like, and also anytime you go to your hotel, uh, take an elevator from the stage to your room, your hotel room. Yeah, I love that. That's pretty badass. I know you go. I mean, you walk on stage, you're like, yeah, you take this elevator right up to your floor. I'm like, what? Seriously? Yeah, no, that's that's cool. I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> that does not suck. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> um, it's like how, shows at seven. I'll be here at six fifty-eight. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna be going down. Uh, I'll ask you a couple more questions. I'll let you get out of here so you can get some food and so yeah. play tonight. Um, what is? Because I'm not doing my normal sections. I'm gonna put you on the spot. What's your worst? stage memory i have a shitty i've got some brutal stage memories once i played in a hippie bar in a death metal band and half of my rig fell over that kind of shit oh you gotta have a good one i mean i've done some crap you know you mean (laughs) crap gigs or like because i've I've had food poisoning once throwing up in the middle of a song that kind of stuff Uh, that sucks I played with when eleven. We played. I remember we played in Durham, North Carolina, in a bar. And Been this there was a long time ago. Well, we didn't know, but Dave Matthews was new, and he was playing in town. And no, I think there was three people there, and I just destroyed the shit out of my drums. And this is before I had an endorsement. <laughs> I was angry. You were pissed. And I was with Alan and Sasha, and I was just going nuts. And they just kind of let me do it. And I don't know, but the, I mean, I just got angry because I'm like, this, that band to me was just too good. 
to have three people at their show because I mean they were these two people to me were brilliant. Right. I mean because Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, uh, they all every, all those bands were fans of theirs. That's how they became you know they succeeded in that. Right. But uh, I mean there's that. But uh, probably we just did a pretty crappy gig in Louisiana not that long ago at the water park. We did a water park gig. Oh was, really? Brutal. It was. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. And because, and I shit you not, we got there and it looked like they had dogs in a pen for like dog fighting kind of shit, but I don't think so. But it just kind of looked that way. Right. But it was like in Baton Rouge off of the interstate kind of thing. And I was like, what is going on? I mean, there was no dressing room. The only bathroom was the public bathroom. Right. And it was covered in mosquitoes, Oof. no catering. Oof. And then the owner of it was just such a, she was a bitch. I mean, I mean, I, it's funny. It's like I was talking to myself. Maybe I shouldn't say anything. Like, God, I hope so. Maybe they'll never have us back. <laughs> but you know, but she was uh, she was pissy and stuff. And then a friend of ours who was there, who lived in Baton Rouge, knew her, and he's like, "Yeah, she's all pissed off. She's heartbroken. Her monkey died, I guess, the night before." You're, I'm like, you're I'm like, making what? this shit up. No, I s- <laughs> said, "I said what?" He goes, "Yeah, the monkey died." And I was like, "Oh my!" I was like, "How?" Like, I was like, how old was that? The monkey was like almost 40. Damn. And I was like, oh my God. He goes, yeah, and it smoked like a pack of cigarettes every day. I'm like, no shit. <laughs> so this mo- this monkey, I guess, had a smoking problem. So obviously, because I, I asked, I was like, well, what's the normal like lifespan of a monkey? I guess but if you had lung cancer to it, you don't really know. That's true. I mean, but I was... Kind of like crazy, yeah. But so she was all the, the monkey died. It was a smoking monkey. I didn't get the name of the monkey or anything, but Smokey, Smokey the monkey, <laughs> Smokey the monkey. <laughs> yeah. So before you get out of here, my uh, my worst memory of you. Oh God. Mm-hmm. That's the, don't get my wife involved in this conversation. <laughs> oh no, she'll laugh. She'll like it. Oh yeah. Was when we were recording the avant garde dog record, and I I think I remember what song it was. It was um, The Optimist. Super fast. It's got that weird Tom thing I played in the middle of it. It's some McCreary shit. It's some McCreary shit, yeah. So I'm playing this track. And I look in. We were at Rivergate Studios, which is owned by your guitar player, Chris mm-hmm. Henderson. And he's got a big picture window where the, the drum room is. And I look over, and it's you, mm-hmm. which was shitty enough because oh i was at notepads like greg greg from three doors down arms crossed yeah uh, you were you were doing the impress me bro stance that's what i call it so i had you i had chris henderson i had cuddy i can't remember cuddy's real name (laughs) i had chet who chet now plays for you guys right kevin who wrote the song oh yeah and the bass player chip all standing there in that damn window staring at me waiting Waiting. That's what we. That's we gotta get you. Uh, you know, can you crack under pressure? It's like throwing shit at somebody. Like, can you play? Keep playing. Keep playing. Mm-hmm. Stay on your toes. Yeah. And so, for the record, on my show, fuck you. I ah, kept playing. Well, I kept playing. But <laughs> but it was oh, great. There wasn't it. But 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 it was it was great though. <laughs> what you played was great because of because me of you being got, there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Because I was there, you played great. If I wasn't there, God, who knows? Could have been sketchy. Could have been iffy. It probably would have been sketchy. I, that sucked. It was so much fun, but it sucked. I, that's one of those. That's one of those imprinted 
it's like a Polaroid in the front of my brain thinking about you guys standing there staring at me. I was like, this sucks. That happened to me once. Uh, did when it? I, when I was recording with Eleven at that same house with uh, we did the Chris Cornell Euphoria Morning Record. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting there in the same thing. They had this big, huge window, but it was our house. It wasn't a studio. Right. And it was like in a den, and they had these big curtains. I'm sitting there doing the track, and I'm sitting there, and I look up, and it's Ed Kowalczyk of Live and Dennis Rodman. Are you kidding <laughs> I shit you not, and it wasn't like, oh my god, I hope they, I hope I do this right. I'm like, why the fuck are those two together? <laughs> you know, kind of like, what the hell? Yeah, oh god, so, that had to be weird. Anyway, we ended up going out with him that night. Noel was with me. We uh, we went to Ed's house, up in the Hollywood Hills, wasn't it? Oh yeah, that's right. He had a, was it a club or was his house? His house, and he was, but it was like a party, like a. VIP kind of like oh a I movie bet that kind of was party. a blasty wasn't it oh gotcha it was yeah that had to be crazy though yeah but I guess a lot of people don't know that Ed Kowalczyk and Dennis Rodman they were tight for a while man I love that band live yeah they're great I think Ed was in a he was in a confused state or area time of his life maybe I don't know but could have been hanging out with Robin yeah, who knows but, yeah so that one so there you go so yeah, you know I, what I, it's I, like and it's kind of a weird thing it's kind of like all of a sudden when you look up and you see those two. Oh, oh yeah yeah it's, that is kind of weird I wouldn't I mean I promise you I could have gave you a thousand guesses you wouldn't have got that one right uh, uh, you could have gave me a million I'd have <laughs> never got that one so what you're telling me though is because it happened to you you decided to do it to this poor schmuck exactly alright fine I couldn't find any NBA players <laughs> so I found a guitar tech and a guitar player. Yeah, uh, drummer and the guitar player for Multi Platinum Band, and the guy that wrote the songs I'm playing are staring at me, waiting for me to fuck up. This is well, this is going great. Well, I could have went to the Little Caesars next door and brought in some of those people and kind of even it out. <laughs> See, these people fuck these people. <laughs> No, that's awesome. Um, the record came out great. Most people yes. in Louisville know that the record is amazing. Um, so as a friend of Kevin and a friend of everybody in Louisville, thank you for doing those, those tracks was, for him. I was an honor. Oh, it, Kevin was awesome. And thank you for doing the, the book horror show tonight. Sure. And uh, I will be doing the Impress Me Bro stance to you. Hey, I got an excuse. I, don't, I barely know this stuff. You no, saw me up there. No excuse. I got my seat, cheat sheets down. No excuses, sir. Uh-uh. Nope, nope. Nope, nope, nope. See, the thing is, is that's the beauty about getting to the level where I am now, is that when I fuck up, I just laugh it off like, I don't give a shit. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm not on your level, and I still do that. I know, but that's no, that's what I, get, I can get away with it, because well, I, I'd true. be like, ah, fuck it. Yeah, true. This isn't my band. I'm in three doors now. Exactly. Yeah, All right. All right, one tradition on my show. High five in a microphone. High five what? High five in a microphone. High five in a... Thank you for your time, brother. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Wish you much success. Oh, thank you. I would wish you more, but you have more than me, and I'm kind of jealous, so no. Oh, it's it's debatable. (laughs) I'm just kidding, dude. Thanks for everything and continued success, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you very much for having me. Well, that's it, kids. That's the show for the week. I hope you guys dug it. I hope you got some new information about Greg that you didn't know. I hope you got a few laughs out of it. Uh, I had a lot of fun. Like I said at the at the intro to this show, it was really cool of him to take the time to hang out with me um, and to do my show, and I really appreciate it. I uh, I owe him a debt of gratitude. I hope he had fun. He seems like he did. His wife told me he did, so I know he did. But that's the show. Uh, I hope you guys dug it. Please continue to 
subscribe, rate, and review my show. It just helps new people find the show. Uh, all of my friends, you guys are amazing, but you need to spread the word. Let's grow this thing together. I'm going to have some cool stuff coming up. I think I've already told you that. This is one of them. Hanging out with Greg up church. That was awesome. Uh, I think it's really, really cool. Uh, hopefully you guys do as well. Uh, I enjoyed the conversation. But like I said in a couple episodes before, I've got some cool stuff coming up this summer. I'm going to be working on some other stuff. So stay in touch with me. Keep sending emails. Keep sending twit faces and insta coke grams and all that garbage. And... Uh, As I say at the end of every episode, go do some shit. Seriously, go. Read it. Go listen to some Chris Cornell or some Three Doors Down. Go see if you can find 11. There you go. I'll give you guys homework. It's a good one. So until next time, I will talk with you soon.